But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that uh, Kojak always gets the killer and that nobody ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry. Just look at your watch. At the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit yes hello everybody and welcome to another episode of knowledge with homage today is june 13th 2019 i'd like to just thank you again for tuning in i'd like to thank everybody who's reached out to me to say they listen to these things and uh that they like it and all that i really appreciate that shit man if you're if you're listening out there let me know about it you know i I appreciate that but if not it's cool just keep on listening Tell your friends, do your thing, or uh, you know, do whatever you want. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing these things regardless. But um, it's a very important day I think today in um world history. Every day is an important day if you really think about it. But today in particular, something pretty crazy happened. Um, I'm gonna read you a whole article all about it, and what it has to do with is things leading up to a war with Iran, which has been in the making for quite a long time. It's a big part of the agenda. It was outlined about over 20 years ago with the Project for the New American Century, which was a Washington, D.C.-based think tank, including individuals like Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, and the now National Security Advisor to Mr. Donald Trump, John Bolton, the guy with the stash. The most terrifying mustache in the whole fucking world. This guy is a human manifestation of an evil demon, I'm convinced. But let me read you a little bit about what happened today with the attack uh, over there by Iran in the Gulf of Oman. And oh man, shit's going down. Um, So the headline is, and this happened today, this morning on June 13th, 2019. Um, Obviously it's in a different time zone, but it happened early in the morning a big old tanker ship was hit with a torpedo. They say it's in quotations as possible torpedo attack. I'm going to read you the whole thing right now, so check it out. This is from thesun.co.uk, um, some United Kingdom-based reporting uh, agency. But it's all over the news right now, so I'm sure you can find all kinds of different information on it. And basically what's happening is, I, you know, it might be too early to say, but it's looking like a false flag. Why the fuck would Iran do this? But let me read you the whole the whole thing here. So the headline reads, Tanker Inferno. Gulf of Oman attack. U.S. says Iran is behind torpedo attack on American-linked oil tanker and bombing of second ship. So there were two big old oil tankers hit with these torpedoes. And this is in the Gulf of Oman. It's right there, kind of in between Iraq and Iran. Uh, It is a big... Hold on, I'm going to pick... I'm going to pull up a map right here so I have a better idea of the exact geography of it. Um, (laughs) So between, larger map, you got Iran on the one side, which is a big-ass country. Um, Across from that is Saudi Arabia, and in there, that's the Persian Gulf, and that's where all the, the oil comes from. And right next to Iraq, you have, I mean, right next to Iran, you have Iraq, so, I mean, this is where pretty much all of the oil in the world is being produced. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but this is where it's all coming from as of now. I mean, the United States has plenty of oil. 
Canada produces a lot of oil, but the majority of the oil that's being consumed in the world right now is coming from the Middle East. So countries like Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Iran, which are all bordering on this place called the Persian Gulf. And all of this oil has to come out, you know, if, if it comes out of Iraq or Iran or Saudi Arabia or Qatar or Abu Dhabi, which is the United, I mean, the United Arab Emirates, which is where Dubai is, um, all these very, very oil-rich countries, places like Kuwait as well, they have to ship all of their oil in order to get to the Western world. It has to go through the Persian Gulf and then through something called the Strait of Hormuz, I believe it's called. Let me zoom in here, see if that's the right thing. It's the Strait of Hormuz. And uh, that's right between like Dubai, well, not Dubai, it's the United Arab Emirates and Iran. So it's this little narrow channel. It's about 20 miles wide, but there's only a, only a certain part of that uh, where these big old ships can go because the ships are fucking huge. They have to have enough water and stuff to, to float on down there. So in order for all of our oil to, really, to reach the west, um, from the Persian Gulf, it has to go through the Strait of Hormuz, and then it goes into the Gulf of Oman, or Oman, I'm not exactly even sure how to pronounce it. And that's where these oil tankers were were shot with torpedoes. So it's obviously an act of aggression, um, something that fucking wars get started over. And it just doesn't make any sense, because Iran keeps saying they don't want a war. I mean, they've been saying that for years and years, but America is just really pressing down on them. We got all of our bases and shit. We got bases in Saudi Arabia, um, in Kuwait, in Iraq, in Afghanistan. So, but we're, we're surrounding them on all sides and we have to constantly say that they're being the aggressors because Iran is on that list of countries that we need to overthrow. At least that's what the people from the project for the new American century had to say. And if you don't know about the project for the new American century, I'd highly recommend looking that up. And learning more about that because our national security advisor, John Bolton, who was also uh, an integral part of getting the war in Iraq started, he was a big, big cheerleader for that shit. Uh, He's now the national security advisor for Donald Trump. So he worked under the Bush administration as well. And they worked under Obama, too, just in different aspects and stuff. The agenda keeps going no matter what. The wars are going to keep going. And I'm beginning to think... Well, like a lot of people, that war with Iran is inevitable, but it's not going to be anything like the war with Iraq because Iran is a real country. It's There's 80 million people. They're highly developed. They got a badass army and all kinds of weapons and shit, so it's going to be fucked up regardless. But let me get back to this uh, article here talking about the supposed torpedo attack that was supposedly done by Iran, the the suicidal attack that Iran just did so they can fuck their own country up. which makes no fucking sense, but check this out. So it says, The U.S. said tonight that Iran was behind the torpedo attack on an American-linked oil tanker in the Gulf of Oman. Both the Front Altair and the Panama-flagged Kokuka Courageous, which was reportedly bombed, burst into flames and were forced to evacuate in the troubled region this morning. It shows a big picture of the oil tanker with a bunch of flames coming out of the side of it. Uh, they're huge ships. I mean, it's it's kind of unbelievable that these things can even float. Uh, the little caption on the picture says, A huge fire rages on board the Front Altair, which is the name of one of the ships, after it was reportedly hit by a torpedo in the Gulf of Oman. 
Um, the tanker was one of the two ships attacked today, sparking an evacuation of all crew members. So even for this giant ship, I think there was only like 24 uh, people on each one, 24 or 25. So has a little bullet point thing saying, what we know so far, two oil tankers were seriously damaged in the suspected torpedo attack. It's highly likely Iran caused the attacks, in quotations. Uh, one U.S. official has claimed, of course, it's highly likely. You want to go to war with them, so you have to say it was them. Even though, in all likelihood, it was probably either us or Israel or somebody who has a vested interest in going to a war, going to war with Iran, because Iran has no, no way to benefit from a war with the United States or any of our allies. But a uh, third one says, almost 50 sailors had to be rescued from the stricken tankers in the Gulf. Um, oil prices surged by 3.5% after today's suspected terror attack, so that sucks. Iran's foreign minister has branded the explosions as suspicious. Yeah, no shit. Uh, the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet is now investigating the t- suspected torpedo attack, so let's get deeper into this thing. Uh, continuing with the article, it says, And now, in comments bound to ignite tensions between the two countries, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo blamed Iran for the blatant attacks. Blatant is in quotations. He said they were part of a campaign of escalating tension by Iran and a threat to international peace and security. So this is just like what they were saying about Iraq before they went to war with Iraq for absolutely no reason. Um... But of course there was a reason behind it. They had they want to overthrow the Iraqi government, which they were successful with, and they want to do the same thing to Iran. And in order to get closer to Iran, which is it's a it's going to be a bigger project to say the least. You know, like I was saying there's 80 million people in Iran. They have a developed army. They have a developed army. Um they've been a country for a long time and, you know, they could they could fight a fucking mean war, I'm sure. It's not going to be like Iraq even though that war hasn't been easy by any means anyways. But going to war with Iraq and basically taking over that country has decreased the buffer zone between uh, U.S. forces and Iran. So now we could just run through Iraq. We got them surrounded on all sides. And we're we're saying that they're the ones who are escalating tensions. So it's just uh, business as usual over here. But let me continue. It says... It is the assessment of the United States government that the Islamic Republic of Iran is responsible for the attacks that occurred in the Gulf of Oman today, Pompeo told reporters. This assessment is based on intelligence, the weapons used, the level of expertise needed to execute the operation, recent similar Iranian attacks on shipping, and the fact that no proxy group operating in the area has the resources and proficiency to act with such a high degree of sophistication. And then it says, taken as a whole, these unprovoked attacks present a clear threat to international peace and uh, security, said Mike Pompeo. Pompeo said the United States will defend its forces and interests in the region, but gave no specifics about any plans and he took no questions. And this is coming right in the wake of um, Donald Trump saying that he was going to send 120,000 troops over to the region, the Persian Gulf region, in order to prepare for a war with Iran. Um, because shit like this has been building up for a while, and we're going to get to that too. It says, Continuing with the article, it says, One U.S. source dismissed the Islamic Republic's earlier claim that they had rescued all the crew members from both ships, branding the report patently false. He said the USS Bainbridge had rescued 21 of the 44 stricken sailors involved in the incident near the Strait of Hormuz. 
Earlier, Tehran's news agency, IRNA, claimed Iranian search and rescue teams had taken all the crew members to the port of Jask. The Panama-flagged Kokuka Courageous is believed to have been targeted by a magnetic mine causing a series of massive, massive explosions on board. Norwegian shipping firm Frontline, which owns the Altair, which is the other atta- uh, ship that was attacked, has denied Iranian reports that the tanker had sunk. The ship was built in 2016 and is flagged to the Marshall Islands, a U.S.-associated state in the Pacific Ocean. Chartered by Taiwan State Oil Refiner CPC Corp., the huge vessel set sail from the United Arab Emirates port of Ruiz on Tuesday and was due to arrive in Kosiyong on June 30th. Um, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, they're saying it was suspected of being hit by a torpedo, so this was an obvious act of aggression on the, uh, behalf of Iran, which is suicidal. I mean, they're, they're saying that Iran shot this torpedo at um, a U.S. ally ship, which was carrying oil, and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get why they would do this. They don't want a war with us. And Iran is saying that they didn't do it, but we're saying that they did. We, as in the United States, United States officials, people like Mike Pompeo and uh, John Bolton, who has been talking about going to Iran, going to war with Iran for quite some time now. So this might be his uh, his chance here. This little event that's going on, which kind of is reminiscent of what happened to begin the Vietnam War, which is the Gulf of Tonkin incident. They said that um, the Vietnamese sunk an American ship. I don't know if it was a military ship or what, or a civilian ship. I think it was military. Um, but that was that came out as being a false flag event. The whole Gulf of Tonkin incident was actually done by the United States to itself in order to justify the Vietnam War, which was a total disaster for both parties involved as well, as the war with Iran will be. But uh, that shit doesn't matter when there's an agenda involved. This, this thing, these things are going to keep happening until this war goes down. Um, bu- bu- bu. it's talking about how oil prices rose by 3.5%. I think they're going to keep going up as long as these tensions keep happening here near the Persian Gulf. Um, blah, blah, blah. It says, speaking about the attacks, White House spokesperson Sarah Sanders said, the president has been briefed on the attack on ships in the Gulf of Oman. The U.S. government is providing assistance and will continue to assess the situation. So just a, a vague thing before they announce a war. Which I don't know when it'll happen. It's probably not going to happen tomorrow or anything. But these are all, it's escalating tensions. You know, it's its something that's going to lead up to an invasion of some kind. I mean, there's, we've been fucking with Iran for a long time. We have uh, all sanctions and embargoes against them. They can't trade with anybody who's associated with the United States. Definitely can't trade with the United States. And I think they just did something where, um, they made it so Iran can't even export oil to to U.S. allies either, which is their main exports, their main source of uh, economic revenue. So it says, da, da, da. she continues to say, we are deeply concerned by reports of explosions and fires on vessels in the Gulf of Oman. We are in contact with local authorities and partners in the regions. Um, the ships reportedly had ruptures measuring up to 10 foot across in their holes as a result of the May 12th sabotage attack. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me, let me go back here. So continuing on, it says, authorities do not believe that any British nationals were on the two ships. 
Um, a UK foreign office spokesperson said, we are deeply concerned by a report of explosions and fires on vessels in the Gulf of Oman. We are in contact with local authorities and partners in the region. This comes after the U.S. claimed Iran used explosives to blow huge holes in four ships, including two Saudi oil tankers anchored in the Persian Gulf last month. The ships reportedly had ruptures measuring up to 10 foot across in their holes as a result of the May 12th sabotage attack. So this is a trend that that's, keeps on happening here in this region, which is why Donald Trump talked about sending over 120,000 troops. And he sent over the, I think it was the USS Abraham, which is a big-ass warship um, aircraft carrier, so they could just be ready for a war at any moment. So it's it's like an act of... of uh, superiority and showing that you can't fuck with us or whatever. When who knows if Iran even really did this. It could have been the U.S. doing it to himself um, or something like that. It just all smells fishy, knowing about the project for the new American century and how John Bolton is now the national security advisor to Donald Trump, and they've wanted to invade Iran for so long and go to war with them. They just haven't been able to make it happen. And John Bolton was also the one who was behind the coup attempt in Venezuela, which just happened. We tried to overthrow their government and get a U.S.-backed dude put in there, but they were unsuccessful with that. So maybe it's a change in trends. Maybe we're not so good at it anymore, but I don't know. Uh, Excuse me. So it says, recent U.S. and Iran tensions. It gives you a little map here of... uh, what they say is happening. It says, on May 5th, USS Abraham Lincoln carrier, uh, on May 5th, USS Abraham Lincoln carrier strike group and a bomber task force is deployed in the Middle East in response to a number of troubling and escalatory indications and warnings by Iran. So Trump sent that, sent that ship and talked about sending a shitload of uh, troops there, but hasn't done that yet. May 8th, Iran vows to enrich its uranium stockpile if world powers fail to negotiate new terms for its nuclear deal. The U.S. responds by imposing sanctions on Iran's metals industry. So uh, back last year, I think it was May of 2018, sometime in 2018, the U.S. pulled out of the Iran deal, the Iran nuclear deal. We're going to lessen our sanctions and embargoes on them as long as Iran agreed to give up most of its uranium that could be used to make nuclear weapons but trump said oh it's it's ridiculous it's a shitty deal so he pulled out and ever since then um like shit kind of hit the fan and it's looking like a war might happen which they want uh may 10th the u.s says it will move a patriot missile battery into the middle east to counter threats from iran May 24th, President Trump says the U.S. will bolster its military presence in the Middle East with an additional 1,500 troops. Uh, I don't know what's up with that because I heard something say I heard them say something about 120,000 troops, and you could look that up and and see people on MSNBC were talking about that. Uh, anyways, and that says oh, I'm jumping back and forth here, or maybe they just. Yeah, and then it jumps to May 12th, from May 24th to May 12th. I don't know why they did this. The UAE says four commercial ships off its eastern coast were subjected to sabotage operations just hours after Iranian and Lebanese media outlets air false reports of explosions at a nearby Emirati port. So, shows more pictures of the burning ship. Very dramatic. Shit's going down. We're going to have to kill everybody in Iran, apparently, now. And it says, two tankers, all you need to know. Another n- nice little bullet point presentation. 
Front Altair was built in 2016 and is flagged to the Marshall Islands. It's owned by Norwegian company Frontline and is owned is operated by Dubai-based International Tanker Management. The ship was carrying 75,000 tons of naphth, naphtha, a petrochemical product worth $30 million when it was attacked. It was carrying 23 crew members who were all rescued. That's kind of crazy to me that it only takes 23 people to man this whole entire gigantic ship. Um, the vessel can carry up to 62,849 tons of cargo. It weighs a staggering 109,000 tons. And then it talks about Kokuka Courageous, which is the other ship. It was built in 2010. It was flagged to Panama. It's owned by a Japanese firm named Kokugo Sangyo and is operated by BSM Ship Management. Uh, it was carrying 25,000 tons of methanol when it was attacked. And there were 21 sailors on board who were all rescued. And only one suffered minor injuries. So it says they were targeted near the port of Fujaira in the United Arab Emirates with one of the tankers due to be loaded with Saudi crude oil bound for the U.S. Uh, blah, blah. And then it goes into the history of the U.S. and Iran, but just, just the history that will lend credibility to going to war with Iran because, like I was saying before, that is the ultimate goal. So let's go through this. This is actually pretty interesting. Um, U.S. and Iran, a troubled history. Before the 1979 Iranian Revolution, Iran was one of America's biggest allies in the Middle East and was led by the U.S.-backed Mohammad Reza Shah Pahlavi. However, since the seismic revolt, notice the, the words they use there, seismic revolt, seismic as in earth-shaking, like, like an earthquake is a seismic event. However, since the seismic revolt, Iran has been led by murderous Islamic fundamentalists, and tensions with Washington have remained ever since. So notice the inflammatory language they use there. Murderous Islamic fundamentalists. So basically saying everybody in the government of Iran is a fucking terrorist. They're like, they're all Osama bin Laden, you know, because we've been trained to be so weary of Islamic extremists um, and murderous Islamic fundamentalists, which is basically synonymous with Islamic extremists, which is synonymous with terrorists, which means they want everyone in America to die, which is telling us that we should go to war with them. So it, all the news people are on board. Like, the people who are writing these articles know which side they have to lean towards. Um, and they got to make Iran look like the bad guy. So that's what they're doing here. So Iran has been led by murderous Islamic fundamentalists. Really? Uh, what about who's running the United States and, and Britain and these countries that are just fucking shit up across the world and starting the war on terror and killing millions of people in addition to everybody they blew up in the world trade center attacks because that was obviously an inside job and then they use that as justification to invade afghanistan and iraq do bombings in pakistan syria um fucking all kinds of countries man they're just fucking shit up they also overthrew libya and these were all countries that were on that list of countries um, that they want to fuck up for the project of the new American century. But Iran is the bad guy. It doesn't, George Bush is cool, Obama's cool, Trump's cool. Who cares about the thousands and thousands and of hundreds of thousands of innocent people that they're fucking killing, uh, women, children, kids? That doesn't matter. Iran's the bad guy. Anyways, um, on November 4th, 1979, the Iranian regime took 52 U.S. diplomats hostage in response to President Carter's administration allowing Iran's deposed former leader into the America. So that was the Iranian um, hostage scandal. 
I believe there was something, too, called the Iran-Contra affair, which is worth looking into. I'm not going to get into it now because I'm not very knowledgeable on it, but uh, that's some crazy shit, too. Um, the hostage crisis lasted for 444 days. That's a weird number. And also included a failed rescue mission, which cost the lives of eight U.S. soldiers. In April 1980, the U.S. ended diplomatic relations with Iran, a break which lasted more than 30 years. In April 18, 1983, Washington blamed the Iranian-funded terror group Hezbollah for carrying out a bombing attack on the American embassy in Beirut, Lebanon. The assault carried out amid a brutal civil war in Lebanon killed 17 Americans. In November of that year, two truck bombs in Beirut killed 241 U.S. peacekeepers. The U.S. again blamed Hezbollah for the incident. The Clinton White House in 1995 placed a total embargo on, I on Iran, meaning U.S. companies could not trade with the country. And in 2002, George W. Bush included the Islamic Republic of Iran in his famous Axis of Evil speech along with North Korea and Iraq. So they've been uh, prepping for, for this war for a long time, making Iran look like the bad guys. And I'm not going to say that they're... You know, uh, such a great peaceful country or anything, but I I definitely don't think they want a war with with the United States. And everybody from their government has come out to say that they don't want it. And I think what it has to really do with is um more like the banking system that wants to control the entire world. Iran has its own currency, as did Iraq, as did Libya, which were both overthrown, and as does North Korea. They have their own uh, monetary system, which doesn't involve the big, big banks that the rest of the world is on. So the, the banks own the whole entire world are the people who own the banks above that. They're the ones who really run the world, the people who run the monetary system. And they can't have people like um, Iran or countries like Iran or Libya or Iraq, they can't have them doing their own thing because it's it's got to be a global system. They want to control the whole entire world. But you have a couple of nations who are holding out that they plan on overthrowing, and they just have to do it. It's part of the agenda, and they're not going to stop until it happens. So, um, it's fucking crazy, man. So now you got these attacks that keep happening, and we're sending over all these warships and stuff. So it's it's uh, we'll see we'll we'll see where this goes. And at the end of the article, it says. What is the Iran nuclear deal? The deal is an agreement between the Islamic Republic and a group of world powers aimed at scrapping the Middle Eastern country's nuclear weapons program. It saw Iran agree to eliminate its stockpile of medium of medium enriched uranium by 98%. According to the deal, Iran would receive relief from the US, the European Union, and the United Nations Security Council on all nuclear-related economic sanctions. But Trump pulled out of that and what did he call it he called it ridiculous you know how trump is he, he's always got some uh some flamboyant words for bringing people down and shit so i mean this is just uh, a kind of a crazy thing and this might be kind of a boring bland subject but it could be leading up to something that's that's very big um like i said because we got john bolton in there who who's a neocon from the project for the new American century, as was Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney, all these high-level Bush administration people who um, used 9-11 as justification to start the war on terror, which is never going to end either. And 
which many people have fucking died from, and yet there's kids still signing up to fight this this pointless war. I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. It's fucking crazy, man, to see this shit all happening, and um, I don't know. You really got to look into this stuff. So I, I got another thing I want to read to you um, and talk about, and this is about John Bolton. And this is from a... I mean, it's it's like a truth website, and this was published on March twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen. This is truthout.org. So it's you're gonna see the way this dude writes. He doesn't like John Bolton, and look at a picture of this guy. He's a fucking creep, man. I want to slap the shit out of him. Started all these wars, killed hundreds of thousands of people, and he's just a douchebag, pasty white dude with a fucking very suspect mustache. And that's coming from a guy who has a pretty suspect mustache myself. But this motherfucker is looking very rapey and very fucking weird and is just a warmonger. He just wants to fuck people up. So I'm going to read this article to you as well. It says, The last person in the room, John Bolton, PNAC, and the end of the world. This was written by William Rivers Pitt for truthout.org, published on March 24th, 2018. Um, John Bolton is now the national security advisor. Helter Skelter, baby. That was Charles P. Pierce. Chelter Skelter being a reference to uh, the Manson murders, which referred to a Beatles song, Helter Skelter, and then the Manson murders were supposed to start some race war in America, and that's what Helter Skelter was. It was painted with um, uh, Sharon Tate's blood on the wall, right? I don't know if you guys know your Manson history, but that's, that's where that comes from. It says, Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks into mine. A long time ago, I did some of the first reporting on a far-right think tank called the Project for the New American Century, or PNAC, an offspring of the American Enterprise Institute. PNAC was considered by most Republicans at the time to be little more than a factory for daft, dangerous foreign policy ideas. Few members of the PNAC were taken seriously within government circles, but they kept busy regardless. During the Clinton administration, they smuggled up to an Iraqi expat named Ahmed Chalabi, who was convicted of bank fraud before offering himself to PNAC signatory Donald Rumsfeld as the perfect replacement for Saddam Hussein. All they needed was a war. A funny thing happened to PNAC, the country and the world when the millennium turned. Oh, a funny thing happened to PNAC, the country and the world when the millennium turned. All those Y2K fears about melting computers and airplanes falling from the sky were never realized. Nevertheless, the world as we know it ended on the evening of December 12, 2000, when the Supreme Court gave the executive branch to George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. Like is not, Bush had never heard of PNAC. Cheney was a charter member. I don't understand that sentence. Maybe I read it wrong. But uh, what it was saying before the day the world ended, obviously they're being pretty dramatic, but they're talking about the Supreme Court decision uh, where they said that George W. Bush won the election and not Al Gore because it was like a really close race. And what it came down to, I believe, at the end where they decided who was president was um, the vote counts in Florida where Jeb Bush was governor. So George Bush's brother, Jeb Bush, was governor of Florida. And then like the deciding count of, of uh, electoral college votes came down to Florida. And, of course, George Bush won because he had to have won because this shit was all planned out. But Al Gore is part of the fucking sh- game, too, and shit. Like... They're all in on it, and you don't get to that position. You don't get to run for president unless you're playing along and and doing your part of the agenda because the agenda is going to go on nevertheless. 
no matter what. And these politicians are just like actors and puppets that you get to point fingers at and throw tomatoes at and blame them for what's happening when really there's a shadow, invisible government working um, behind them who are really controlling them and telling them what to do. People like this guy, John Bolton, but... Even him, you know, these people in the public eye, I don't think they're the ones they're the ones really ruling the world. But they are doing some crazy fucking shit, so let me continue. The world ended, and after September eleventh, the new Pearl Harbor envisioned in rebuilding America's defenses, PNAC's blueprint for world domination, the world was born again in the fires of shock and awe. From top to bottom, the White House was staffed with PNAC ideologues who envisioned total war in the Middle East, regime change from Beirut to Cairo to Karachi to Riyadh. Beside Cheney and Rumsfeld were also Louis Libby, Paul Wolfowitz, Elliot Abrams, Richard Pearl, and a dramatically mustached rogue named John Bolton. Bolton's gruesome personal behavior with staff and others has become lore. He once got crossways with a federal contractor named Melody Townsell, and chased her through the halls of a Russian hotel while pelting her with shoes and other available missiles. So, yeah, what a nice guy. Over the next several days, he talked Townsell around the hotel, shouting threats and shoving threatening letters under her door. This is not a guy you want to give a staff to. Even by Peanut's grim standards, John Bolton is a snaggletoothed monster. Snaggletoothed monster, that's, that's a good description. <laughs> The people who agree with him are still freaked out by him because he is a ball of terrifying war hubris made flesh. Yet somehow he keeps landing jobs within walking distance of the Oval Office. George W. Bush made him UN ambassador while Congress wasn't home. He was fantastic at alienating other nations but wasn't really in a position to do the kind of serious damage he's capable of. However, that damage was done in triplicate when Bolton served as Undersecretary for Arms Control essentially the government's point person for weapons of mass destruction. In this capacity, Bolton became the dream weaver for the Iraq War, the loudest advocate for false intelligence on Iraq's weapons capabilities, and he did not hesitate to bulldoze any lower-level staffers who disagreed. Iraq was the starting place for the PNAC plan, the jump-off point to a toppling of virtually every government in the region, and Bolton did yeoman's work to see it all brought to fruition. So, um, the fire they started is still burning out of control 18 years after the Supreme Court's Bush versus Gore decision and 15 years after Bush's invasion of Iraq. Too much of the world is what John Bolton and his PNAC friends have made it. A smoldering crater, a smoldering crater stinking of permanent war surrounded by refugees and choking on austerity to pay the butcher's bill. We are a shadow of ourselves, timorously following a blowhard strongman as he stomps through the wreckage left behind by people like his new security, his new national security advisor, talking about John Bolton. Um, blah blah blah. It talks about all the people that John Bolton wants to go to war with. He talked about going, doing a first strike against North Korea, just fucking wiping them out for wanting to do their own thing. Um, he tried that regime change in in Venezuela, and now it seems they have their sights set on Iran. So. Kind of fucking crazy. I mean, that I know it's kind of boring to hear um, news articles read to you and shit. Maybe that's not what you came here for. But this is important shit. I mean, every time a war is is getting started, you gotta look. You gotta look deeper into these things and think about the overarching agenda. Because when you find out what the 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 end game plan is, 
these events start to make sense and you start to realize that none of this shit is happening on accident. It's not being thrust into the public eye by accident. There's an agenda behind this and they've been wanting to go to war with Iran for quite some time now. And it looks like that might happen soon under good old Donald Trump. But I'm sure Obama would have been happy to do it and so would have George Bush and and anybody else. I mean, it's just, shit takes time. So, I don't know. It's hard to imagine what a war with Iran would be like. Um, Like I said, they're not like Iraq. They're like a legit country where... You know, they got a pretty decent army, and they have the potential to fuck up a lot of shit. I don't think they would win, but a lot of people would die, which, you know, the people who control the world are cool with that because they don't fight the wars. They don't send their kids to fight the wars. They don't send their family to fight the war. They send, you know, fucking regular people, you know, young, dumb, easily... um, influence kids to go fight these wars because they brainwash you with the movies and they make it seem like you'll be so heroic you're doing such a great thing by fighting this war but in reality that's not the case at all um they're using you i mean look at what they do to the veterans after they get home from the war a lot of them are homeless a lot of them are addicted to drugs and they're getting no help from this government who needed their help so much and who they sacrificed so much for just to be completely fucked over. And this this was like always obvious to me, you know, even from a, a young age, it just seemed fucked up. Like I didn't understand. It's like, well, I used to think that um, if two countries had a problem with each other, why don't the leaders of those countries just fucking like fight to the death barefisted or something, you know? Did they ever do that? Fuck no, they're never going to do that shit because they're all in the same gang too, for the most part. People that lead the countries usually don't get that fucked up. Unless you're Gaddafi, who got um, sodomized with a bayonet when they did that good old Libya invasion. Somebody went and fucking stuck a bayonet up Gaddafi's ass. and <coughs> Excuse me, still sick a little bit. But um, <clears throat> the Gaddafi story is interesting because the people in Libya fucking love Gaddafi. Like, they would, there'd be, they'd be in the streets by the hundreds of thousands just to watch this motherfucker roll through and, like, flash the peace sign and shit. So, but America didn't like him, and that's why we went and fucked him up and did the whole regime change there, which is always disastrous. And just any revolution is is very, very bloody, and usually it's going to work to the benefit of the people in power anyways. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm dying over here. But um, yeah, very seldom does uh, a regime change or a revolution work for the benefit of the people. It's it's always just a different form of government ran by the same people for the same purposes, just under a different name. And that goes back through history. I mean, shit's been happening a long time since the French Revolution and, and countless ones after that. It's... Uh, it's fucked up, man. And, and uh, some people say oh, we might need a a revolution here in America, but I don't think they really understand what a revolution entails and and how a revolution could even work to the benefit of this whole agenda because they'd have to bring in a whole new system if you if you destroy this one, which is okay. It's not the great the greatest system, the American system, but I mean, America has been a pretty good country for for a while. You know, it's a nice place to live, and having been to other countries as well. I recognize how special America is now, and it would be a shame to see everything get all fucked up, but we definitely got to stop 
starting wars with all these innocent countries and murdering all these motherfuckers and kids need to stop fighting signing up to do that shit like what are you guys thinking man and i hear people i've never once when somebody told me that they're gonna join the military i've never once supported that shit and i've never told them yeah go for it i always said dude don't do that like why don't do that shit i would did you think at all before you made that decision? And they always have like some fucking stupid excuse for why they're doing it. They're like, yeah, well, you know, my dad was in the military. He was a Marine man and this and that. Or uh, they're going to pay for my school. Or I don't have anything else going on for me. It's like they really think no, it's just an easy way out. It's a cop out type of thing. Because I think deep down, um, in their personality, they like to be controlled and they like to be told what to do by an authority figure. Um, they refuse to take their own life into their own hands and, and be responsible for it and make something of themselves by themselves. So they want the military to do it for them and whip them into shape. And I understand it, um, but there's a lot of psychological manipulation that goes into the whole military thing, which is why they make you wear uniforms. The whole idea behind a uniform is one form. If you break it down to its Latin roots, uni means one, and then form, just one form. They're all the same. That's why they got to shave your head to take away your individuality and make it so you're just a clone. You're a sheep. You're somebody who does what the fuck they're told. You don't think for yourself. You just follow orders. And they do the same thing with the police now because the police are being militarized as well. And they're no longer just... Um, you know, your neighborhood fucking guy that's looking out for you and, and trying to help you and give you directions or, or do shit like that. And they're here to fuck you up. And they're dressed like straight, you know, tactical shit, ready to stomp your fucking face in and beat up your grandma and shit. Like, motherfuckers are crazy now. I don't know what they're doing to the cops now. But once in a while, you'll meet a cool cop. But even then, I'm like, I don't, I don't even believe in fucking cool cops anymore either. It's, it's whatever part of a bad gang you know fuck that shit i'm sure there's good al-qaeda members i'm sure there's good fucking isis guys but it doesn't mean i fucking like them and i want to i want to hang out with them or whatever but anyways um that's just one thing happening in a in a in a crazy world where a lot of shit's happening i just thought that was crazy and i would um explain a little bit of it to you but there's another thing happening, too, in the Gulf of Mexico. It says, near-record dead zone predicted in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, the low-oxygen or hypoxic area is likely to cover about 7,800 square miles, roughly the size of Massachusetts. Um, there's been a lot of flooding over there in the Midwest lately. And then all the toxins and the bad shit from your cars, the oil, the gasoline, um, fertilizer from the farms, manure dead animals all this shit's getting washed into the mississippi the mississippi river basin it's like one big fucking funnel and all that stuff goes in like basically everything from the east coast to like the i don't know colorado like montana area it all washes into the mississippi river and rivers around it but it's like one big basin it's like a funnel and then it all dumps out of southern louisiana so all this these bad chemicals and uh, toxins and shit are all getting washed into the Mississippi River and it's getting just pushed into the fucking Gulf of Mexico and there's no oxygen or anything there for the little sea critters so nothing can survive there 
But that was my very non-scientific explanation. I'll read the. I'll read this article too. We're gonna get real fucking boring today. Um, it says this is going from NBC DFW. This is Texas news. News from around the state of Texas. So, like I said, near record dead zone predicted in Gulf of Mexico, and this was published on June tenth, two thousand nineteen. Says scientists with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration are predicting a near record Gulf of Mexico dead zone, an area where the water holds too little oxygen to sustain marine life. A major factor contributing to the large dead zone this year is the abnormally high amount of spring rainfall in many parts of the Mississippi River watershed. That's what it's called, the Mississippi River watershed. So that's why it's like a big funnel and all the toxic shit just gets funneled into the Mississippi River. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said in a news release Monday that led to record amounts of water carrying large amounts of fertilizer and other nutrients downriver. Now, it doesn't say anything about... um, Fuck, I heard someone talking about these, um, like, barges full of tons and tons of fertilizer that got fucking, like, sunk there. So you just have all this fertilizer floating around. I'm going to try to look up something about that. Fertilizer. Into Mississippi. The company dumps more. I can't find it, but somebody was talking about that, how um it wasn't really made in, made it into the mainstream news, but like a a crazy spill of all this fucked up shit into the same area. Anyways, continuing on. The nutrients feed algae. So it's talking about how the large amounts of fertilizer and other nutrients are being washed downriver. Um, the nutrients feed algae, which die and then decompose on the seafloor, using up oxygen from the bottom in an area along the coast of Louisiana and Texas. The low oxygen or hypoxic area is likely to cover about 7,800 square miles. Roughly the size of Slovenia, or all the land in Massachusetts. A Louisiana-based team has estimated the dead zone will be 8,700 square miles. So that's fucking crazy. And there's just major flooding all around there. And all the bad shit, like I said, like from your cars, um, the bad fertilizers, and, and the dead animals, and all kinds of crazy shit. It's, it's all being washed away. And that water like absorbs all of it, and it's just going to flow down to the Gulf of Mexico. It's going to be extremely dirty and nasty. So if you live down there in that area, I wouldn't recommend taking a swim there for a while. Kind of fucked up. It says, uh, oh, look, they, they even have records for um, big dead zones. It says the record set in 2017 is 8,776 square miles for a dead zone. So at least we're breaking records and shit. That's cool. Um, scientists had said earlier that widespread flooding made a large dead zone likely this year. So apparently it hasn't happened just yet, but it's like in the process of happening. Um, which is just fucking crazy. It says a task force of federal, tribal, and state agencies from 12 of the 31 states that make up the Mississippi River watershed set a goal nearly two decades ago of reducing the dead zone from an average of about 5,800 square miles to an average of 1,900. While this year's zone will be larger than usual because of the flooding, the long-term trend is still not changing. University of Michigan aquatic ecologist Dawn Scabia, Professor 
Emeritus at the School uh, School for Environment and Sustainability said in a news release. The bottom line is that we will never reach the dead zone reduction target of 1,900 square miles until more serious actions are taken to reduce the loss of Midwest fertilizers into the Mississippi River system. And uh, the the real bad fertilizer thing is, ah, what the fuck is it called? It's the shit that Monsanto made. And uh, it's like the main cancer-causing agent, and it's just glyphosate, I think it's called? Glyphosate? Glyphosate? Uh, sounds something like that, and uh, made by Monsanto, you know, your friendly neighborhood, um, fucking deadly chemical murder everyone, dude, who made the, uh, what else do they make, that stuff they sprayed on Vietnam to, to burn up all the foliage that gave all the all the soldiers a bunch of diseases and their kids and shit, yeah, they made that stuff, so that's nice. And now they're poisoning the oceans. Um, not to mention all of the chemtrails they're spraying with God knows what, smart dust, morgellons, um, engineered biologicals. You know, it's all part of the agenda, controlling the weather, fucking everything up, starting wars, destroying the family unit. I don't know. Fuck, man. I, w- I wish I had, like, more better news to, to reveal to you. But this is important things. And... um it's interesting, nonetheless. And props to you if if you're one of the few people who can objectively look at this and not get all emotional because you're the type of person it takes in order to get this information out there so people know about it. Because it's important to know about it, but not everybody is mentally capable of handling the implications that comes with revealing this sort of knowledge a lot of people are going to want to look the other direction or only pay attention to the happy news, you know. And uh, I don't understand that, but, you know, do your thing. So another thing I want to talk about a little bit is 5G. Um, I have this article here from 2017. And we're right on the the verge of the 5G thing. It's already being implemented in some places. Um, the disastrous health effects are well documented. But nonetheless, it's going to happen. Um, because it has to do with the Internet of Things and kind of getting all technology under one roof where you basically know what everyone's doing all the time because you're always sending out a signal. Um, They want to cover the whole world in this smart dust shit where they're like little transponders and nanosensors on the nanoscale, just like the chemtrails are, which they're already being sprayed out in the chemtrails, this smart dust and nano, nano dust. And basically, they're just little sensors, um, little transponders that could tell you everything that's going on. If the whole world's covered in this shit, the whole world's like a giant computer and um, it's just sending signals everywhere. But I don't know. That's a topic for another day, I guess. Let me read to you this article and kind of give you a little background on what 5G is. And this is through Business Insider. I'm sure they're going to be on the stance that 5G is a good thing and not talk about the bad health effects or anything, but just to give you an idea behind it. It says, fifth-generation mobile networks, 5G for short, will be able to transmit data about 10 times faster than 4G LTE, the current standard, according to Ericsson's annual mobility report. Now, that's how they're going to sell it to you. They're going to say, your download times are going to be so much faster, so you know who cares that it's going to give you cancer or whatever disease you're going to be able to download your movies way faster. And 
you know, who even knows? And they're not going to say that it's going to be 10 times more expensive, which is, which it is going to be more expensive. And um, they always aim on the high end. They always say it's going to do more than it actually will. It says um, that could re- revolutionize the IOT, which is the abbreviation for the Internet of Things, which a lot of people still don't even know about, which is kind of crazy. It's a big deal, but they're not really like talking about it that much. Um, that could revolutionize the IOT, and although it will take time to roll out, it's already being embraced by hardware makers and telecoms thanks to a March decision by 3GPP, an association of telecoms, to approve faster initial 5G standardization. That means adoption will come in the next few years. Ericsson projects that 5G will reach about 15% of the world's population by 2022. So they're they're rushing this shit out. They don't want people to do the testing that is required to see if it's even safe. Um, they just want to put it on the world because they want to keep the whole world under tabs. It's it's all about data collection, knowing what everyone is doing at all times and being all integrated into one network where you could do some fucking crazy shit with this shit. Um, continuing on, Ericsson expects 5G to, be, to first be deployed in major metropolitan areas. That, that makes sense because people in the biggest cities seem to be the most brainwashed anyways. So IoT applications... It'll be first used to connect probably will be smart city solutions like connected streetlights and traffic lights. But 5G eventually will connect everything from smart home devices to self-driving cars and robotics. Faster data transmission could simplify connected device management, which means 5G could lead to significant growth in the Internet of Things. Here's how. Another, Another little bullet point thing. Latency in cellular networks limits many IoT applications. Right now, many IoT solutions use cellular networks like 4G LTE to connect to the cloud. But the devices in this in these solutions produce so much data that's hard to process quickly. That creates high latency, the amount of time between when data is sent from a connected device to when it returns to the same device, which in terms which in turn limits IoT solutions effectiveness. 5G could solve that, leading to increased efficiency and the potential more connected devices. Since 5G is able to transmit data drastically faster, companies could deploy more connected devices without fear of an overcrowded network exacerbating existence. Exact. Fuck, I suck. <laughs> I'm just going to restart. Since 5G is able to transmit data drastically faster, companies could deploy more connected devices without fear of an overcrowded network exacerbating existing latency issues. That'll give... That'll gives... Ah, oh, that's a typo, you dumb fucks at Business Insider. That'll gives the overall number of connected devices deployed a boost right after 5G arrives, which is in line with by intelligence's estimate that 22.5 billion IoT devices will be installed globally in 2021, up from 16 billion the year before. So, oh. yeah, give me a minute. please. <laughs> That's my brother asking me to get the mail. Um, anyway, so it says 22.5 billion IoT devices will be installed globally in 2021. That's a lot of fucking things. 22.5 billion. So, man, they want everything to be in this internet of things. Everything integrated into one network. 
The Internet of Things is disrupting businesses, governments, and consumers and transforming how they interact with the world. Companies are going to spend almost $5 trillion on the IoT in the next five years, and the proliferation of connected devices and massive increase in data has started an analytical revolution. To gain insight into this emerging trend, BI Intelligence conducted an exclusive global IoT executive survey on the impact of the IoT on companies around the world. The study included over 500 respondents from a wide array of industries, including manufacturing, technology, and finance, with significant numbers of C-suite and director-level respondents. Um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it's just trying to get you to fucking purchase their report and download it. So you gotta buy this information now. You gotta be a business insider insider, apparently. But... And they're they're talking on the the side of that five G is a good thing, um, but it's just gonna be a like a tighter, a tighter yoke, you know, a tighter chokehold on the people, because there's no way to escape it. You're not gonna be able to do fucking anything without them watching you. It's gonna be like George Orwell's 1984. You know, you can't fucking do shit. You can't say shit. You can't walk anywhere, go anywhere without being tracked. Uh, you got the facial recognition software. You're going to have the smart dust. You're going to have all this shit that's just always wanting to keep tabs on you. No privacy whatsoever. And we've already given up all of our privacy, too, with, with like, our cell phones and our computers and stuff. All of our information is there. It's all accessible. If it's on the Internet, people can hack into it. And, you know, the 5G Internet of Things is just the next level of it, and not to mention the military applications of it as well, because it is a military thing. You know, like all this shit comes from the military first before it's given to the public sector. Even the computer was like that. They they invent this shit and then they study how it's going to affect the the population. How how is it going to help them with their agenda, and how can they use it to fuck with everyone? And then once they got that all figured out, because they are experts in behaviorism and social psychology and things like that, they know exactly how people are going to react. And then they give it to us, and then we act like they anticipated us to act. I'm sure, you know, sometimes we do some unexpected shit, but for the most part, people are pretty predictable. And that's how they know when it's the right time to roll out these technologies. And who knows how long 5G has really been um, around, you know, how long they've known about it. But now is the right time to introduce it to the public and uh, make it a fucking global thing. So, just some uh, crazy shit going down. 5G, war with Iran, possibly dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know. Um, interesting stuff, nonetheless, though, and and kind of cool to think about, and at least be someone who somewhat cares and is some somewhat thinking about it. Um. I realize why most people choose not to look into this kind of shit because because you're busy. People are doing stuff, you know? People are living their own lives. They're working. They're taking care of their families. And they just want to have fun and, and have a good time and, and do their thing. And I totally understand that. And not everyone has the time or the ability or the wherewithal to be caring about this kind of stuff and actually giving it the attention that it deserves and that is the way the world is ran. So we need people to be looking into this kind of shit, and we need 
public opinion because your voice does matter. I, I try to say this every talk and just stress how much you matter in this world. You, the person listening to this thing right now, you're the most powerful thing in the whole world. You can do whatever you want. And I think people are afraid to pursue you know, their real potential. They're, they're afraid to follow that. And uh, there's a psychological condition associated with that. It's called the Jonah Effect or the Jonah Complex, um, which I was researching today. That was by a, 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 a psychologist by the name of Maslow. Maslow. He talks about how people, people are more afraid of life than they are of death. People are afraid of going after their goals and being all that they could be. And it's a psychological issue that's been around since the dawn of humanity. People want to settle and, and be comfortable and, you know, they don't want to go out on a limb and really try to be everything they could be. This guy Maslow, who was a psychologist, he was a teacher as well, he would ask his students, he'd say, which one of you is going to write a great novel? Or invent something great that will change the world. And uh, nobody would say anything. You know, they'd laugh and shit like, like that was impossible. And he would say, well, if you don't do it, then who's going to do it? You know, and think about that shit. Because, you know, every the people who do great things are not that much different from you. They just did great things. They chose to actually do it. A lot of people have great ideas and great ambitions, but they don't have the confidence in themselves and the belief in themselves to actually pursue it when in reality you know you're more close to god than you are to a fucking worm but i think a lot of people feel like they're they're a fucking worm instead of a god and you got that shit all backwards man realize your potential how special you are and your capabilities that you have because you can do some amazing things and your voice matters and people are listening you know and uh your vibe will attract your tribe, man. You fucking do that shit. And you keep at it and you really work at it. You can do whatever you want. So, you know, think about that. Look up the Jonah Complex and overcome that shit. And uh, I think that's it for me today. I got to go check the mail. So I hope you all are doing good. Um, staying smart, doing cool shit, having a good time and all that. Enjoy your summer. And I'm going to send you away with a cool song. You guys have a great time. I will talk to you later. Peace out. ¿Qué es un fantasma? Un evento terrible condenado a repetirse una y otra vez. Un instante de dolor, quizá. Algo muerto que parece por momentos vivo aún. Un sentimiento suspendido en el tiempo. Yeah. Jedi Hey,
raised you You a fucking disgrace And if you come around my way You get bucked in the face Getting snuffed in the face Then I whack you With razors, knives, guns and what have you Fucking door. 